Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Fill up your tea glass and have a seat. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this squirrel wrangling episode, the guys introduce a brand new segment, review Xeno Shift, and educate you with another installment of Statistically Speaking. You boys have fun and play nice now. Welcome to episode 67. Just the two of us. This is Marty. This is Tony. And as you can guess by the title of this episode, it is just the two of us, Tony. I'm looking at the show notes. There's no guests. Nope. There's no special topics on like TVs or movies or anything. It's just you and I going old school talking about games. The pressure is back on, Marty. I don't know, man. We didn't have to do a whole lot when we had guests and everything. And now we got to fill a full hour. Uh, I know. And now we've got to be like interesting and like know things about games and stuff. And scary. Well, it will be rough. By the way, incredible new intros. Like them, dude. Yes. Uh, of course, you know about them because we were working on them together, but they sound great. Mm-hmm. That was Vanessa that was kicking in the intro right before us. And let me let, here's the reason why, Tony, why I wanted to do new intros, because we had the Southern lady before doing it, which was like a professional voice actress, and mm-hmm. everybody thought it was Vanessa. Okay, so can Vanessa now offer herself up on Fiverr.com and do professional intros? Well, she might be able to. It might be a good way to make a few extra bucks here and there. But since everybody thought it was her, Vanessa was like, I'm kind of insulted by that because I sound better than that. <laughs> And so I said, all right, well, we're going to get some new ones. And hey, how about now you do the intro, which is going to be like our little teaser as to what's going to be coming up in the episode. So people will know whether to turn off the show or not, you know, before they get too far into it. Yeah. And, you know, it only took us almost three years to figure this out, guys. So, hey, what can we say? We're getting there. We're going. This will become a professional podcast at some time, four, five, six years from now. But we're going to be there. <laughs> I know. Growing pains. See, but that's going to throw us off. She's teasing it. That's what we did. So what are we going to talk about during the intro? What she didn't go into too much is, so we have this brand new segment. Tony, should we talk about it now or just go into the segment and then introduce it once we get into it? Well, I mean, you teased it already at the BGG, so everybody is waiting on pins and needles. What what was that whole Rocky thing out there on the BGG Guild? What what was Marty talking about? So I say, let's cut over to it. Here we go. Check out our new intro for our new segment called Flying Squirrels. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels. Short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. We're known for be talking about something and then suddenly out of nowhere, oh, I don't know, somebody mentioned something that takes us not so much a tangent, but just completely out of the, ep- the, the the way the show's going. I don't know, like maybe, I don't know, a spray paint or something, Marty, right? Yeah, exactly. So we've called those things squirrel moments, right? Where right. you mm-hmm. and I are talking, all of a sudden, poof, we're off on something else, and that, that's our little squirrel moment. And, and it seems like, you know, we, we had those every so often, but we have so many things sometimes that we want to get into the show. It's like, how can we get to them? And it was like, wait a minute, why don't we have this segment where each of us are going to take a couple minutes of peace and just have these fleeting thought things. We're going to have a, maybe you'll do a segment on 
something about spray paint. And then maybe I'll do a segment on something about a game or something. But the idea is that this is where we can, you and I can just throw back stuff back and forth and just fill in as much stuff as we can. And it was called flying squirrels because they're just going to be coming and going all over the place. Exactly. And you know, we're, we're setting ourselves at around a two minute mark just to get these things all done. But to be honest with you, that is the length of our attention span. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, so that's why we said, so it's two minutes. So is that going to be short enough? Oh, we're like, yeah, please. That's going to be plenty short enough. What's going to happen is, is uh, after our two minute window is up, you're going to hear this sound. And what that means is we're going to wrap up our final thought and we're going to go straight to the next segment. So, yes, okay, I admit it, we're somewhat copying, pardon the interruption on ESPN, so this isn't anything new. Here's the first one. So, Marty had to explain to me what pardon the interruption is. I didn't even know that's what that segment was called on ESPN. I had no clue. It's a whole show. It's a show? Yes, on every day. I didn't even know that. All right. (laughs) So here we go. We're actually going to set a clock. Tony, maybe yes. uh, why don't you just kick us off with that first segment? So Marty, for me, I got to finally play a game called First and Goal. It's by R&R Games. Have you ever played that game? I, I have not. I've always wanted to, but tell me about it because I'm very interested in sports games. Well, it's a, you know, it's a basic football game for those who don't know it. And you're really throwing, um, you're comparing cards. You, uh, offense has a deck, defense has a deck, and you both play a card and you compare the plays and the plays determined based on, for instance, if you do a running play and they do a um, standard uh, defensive run play like a goal line or something like that, and your run is a halfback dive, then you get to roll a certain dice, a red dice, a yellow dice, a green dice, and a play dice, and the defense rolls one defensive dice. And rolling those dice determines the number of yards. Hmm. So I'm like, you know, this is kind of an interesting concept, something I would love. It's a two-player game, though it goes up to four players, and I guess you rotate who plays the decks. I don't know. I've only played it with two players. But I was like, oh, man, this is something that me and Donna could probably play. She loves football, and so do I. And maybe it's a strategy game where you're simply, you know, oh, I'm going to run here, and maybe I can trick her. And I was really hoping for a lot more than that. But you know what? What? It wasn't all that. Oh, so does, does it not simulate a, a football game? It doesn't have that feeling like the bottom of the ninth did with the baseball? It, it sort of does. But I think what really killed it for me, and I'm sure it's, uh, people love this game, is one, I, you can add different teams to it. You can buy the expansion packs and things like that. And I think it would be a lot better if, if I don't know, the dice – there was one time when I was playing and it was like my offense could not get out of their way. They were causing penalties. That dice kept coming up penalty, penalty, penalty. And every time I rolled the penalty dice, guess what? I got a penalty. So a game that I was really digging on and hoping that, you know, I would bring into the collection. Not so much. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good game, but that's about as best I can say for it. Recently, I talked about a Kickstarter um, called Battle Bards that was out uh, a month or so ago where it's a Kickstarter where they're providing music for gaming and they're starting out with like RPGs. The idea is that you have an app where as you're playing a game, you can include some sound effects and special music and and whatever. They actually um, shut down uh, their Kickstarter because of uh, complaints they had with their business model. See, Tony, I was going to go look into possibly back it but their thing was is they had a monthly subscription so what it was was like okay you get this but now you have to pay like four dollars a month in order to use their sound library and as cool as the thing sounded it's like i I won't use it worth four dollars a month so 
they contacted me later and said, hey, just want to let you know, we're restarting our campaign because a lot of people have complained about it. Now we're just going to go to a flat fee for like starting out for 25 bucks. You can just go out and and back the app and you'll have all the music right there for you. And then you can buy additional modules on top of that. So that's a much better business model that Kickstarter is going on right now. It's Battle Bards. If you have interested in backing it, uh, it's probably why I'm going to back because I would use it in my RPG, RPG sessions and stuff. But Tony, there is another Kickstarter that just started. I think that you're going to be very excited about. Have you heard about Defenders of the Last Stand, the new co-op game from Richard Launius? I saw Lance tease it on Twitter today. And of course, we're recording on May the 13th. And I can't wait to go watch it. I have not seen anything on it. Yeah, I was talking to him kind of offline. He says he really likes it. He says, this is a good game. And I know you play Defenders of the Realm and like Defenders of the Realm. So this might be something to be, might be right up our, our alley. And, you know, Richard Launius, I love that guy and love his games. Right. And, you know, that this is going to save me because, you know, I was talking about doing an elite project from Artipia Games and how much it costs and how it was a really cool co-op. This may keep me from doing that just because this one's coming out. And I'm so happy they're bringing it out while there's still time on our, the Artipia game. But I'm really looking forward to, to, to seeing that. Have you seen the video? I have not, but it's uh, has not started Kickstarter yet, but it, it will by the time this is out. So go check it out. Defenders of the Last Stand. Speaking of Kickstarters, let me just say this about a Kickstarter. First off, guys, if you're launching a Kickstarter, I appreciate you putting the prices on one side, Marty. And you know what I'm talking about over here. You know, you got all the prices right there, right? Right. Well, if you don't include your shipping there, don't bury it later in the backer thing. Make it up front. I mean, pri- case in point. So we recently backed the Dice Hate Me game, you know, bottom of the ninth. And right there, it says $20 gets you this game. And oh, by the way, in there, there was shipping. Now you had a different experience, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yes. It was Xenoshift. I totally missed an email that said, oh, by the way, yeah, you've backed this, but now you got to pay for shipping. So everybody else was getting their uh, Xenoshift copies. And I was like, well, where's mine? So I contacted them. They were very quick to respond back. They said, well, you haven't paid for shipping yet. It's like, well, where did that come from? And I guess there was an email, maybe it ended up in spam. So they sent me a link and I went and, and paid for it and they immediately shipped it. But why can't I just pay for shipping right when I, when I check out? Exactly. And that, I think that's the big thing is if you're going to do that, make sure it's up front. I mean, it may have been buried somewhere, Marty. I mean, Lord knows these Kickstarter pages don't scroll forever, do they? Well, no, but that's not it. It's like when time comes to sign up and pay, when you pledge, why not go ahead and let me pay the shipping? I guess maybe if you change addresses, but okay, then you contact them and change the shipping cost. But I don't know. Again, I met, probably just missed the email. It's my fault, but uh, uh, it kind of bothered me. Yeah, and but did you but did you even know the shipping up front? No, I didn't. And I, again, again, there's probably fine print there. I just totally missed it. If you're running a Kickstarter and you're going to charge people, I've got no problem. I understand you got to pay for your shipping, either included in the price at the time of the pledge, or at least put it somewhere, you know, so that people can see it real quickly. I'm seeing a, I'm beginning to see a trend, Marty, in that where the shipping is moving. Uh, it's buried later, you know, to try to keep that price down on the Kickstarter page. Tony, I know where you and I are going to be this fall at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays. At the game club. Okay. So on non-game club nights, when this is being <laughs> DVR'd at the home. Oh, okay. Have you seen the trailer for the new Muppets TV show? Yes, I have. Oh, my goodness. That looks hilarious now for anybody who's listened to our show tony and i are huge muppet fans we grew up with the original show we love it we think they're hilarious i like some of the movies 
uh, not all of them. And, uh, and so the ABC has picked up a brand new show and it's going to be a little bit more of an adult feel to it. But what I love how they're doing it, they're shooting it like the office, which is the thing where it's like a camera following them around. And then they have these uh, side things where they're like doing little interviews on the side. And if you mm-hmm. go watch the trailer, they kind of show that. And then they're actually making fun of that, which is even more funny. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did not like the office. And once again, that's the, the difference between you and I. I never did like the office, never have. But I mean, I like the fact that they're making fun of it. And I still just just watching the trailer and you see the little rats walking behind gonzo and things like that that's i love that but <laughs> i just you know the whole thing and then of course they got waldorf and statler our heroes who we model ourselves after at the end of it ripping off buttons <laughs> My, i do have a concern though marty is will the public give it a chance it's not your it's not our our muppets you know what i'm saying well, i'm afraid i'm a, what i'm worried is they're going to think it's going to be a kid show and they're trying to make it more adult friendly and I'm afraid that adults will just pass up on it without even giving it a shot. But I, I hope not. But regardless, at least we'll get some new episodes out of it. And hopefully it's something that we'll, we'll enjoy and it'll bring us back to our childhood a little bit. So, But speaking of the Muppets, did you see that new uh, race that Ignacy tweeted out for Imperial Settlers? Yes, I did. Okay. Did you notice how the cover art on this, this has been bothering me for a while and I can't wait to get this out there because he took a shot at us again on Twitter. And that was <laughs> that does, doesn't she look like Miss Piggy? Oh, now I'm going to have to go pull it up. I don't have it in, in front uh, of me. That's fine. It does. It looks like Miss Piggy. But anyway, so if y'all remember, and when Anasi was on our show, he was um, kind enough to you know drop some hints to us while we were not recording. And he says, yeah, on May 11th, I'm going to announce the new race for it. And so Marty and I were taking bets on that. And if y'all remember, Marty took the field and I took dwarves. Well, today I had to go pay for lunch. That's right. You did. Because this is not dwarves. It is the Atlanteans. It is the Atlanteans, you know, this made-up race who sunk to the bottom of Atlantis. They were, you know, destroyed in this thing. No one can find it. Listen, if um, Ballard cannot can find the Titanic, Ballard would have found the Atlantean lost cities. Well, here's what's here's what's funny. Here, here's what that's what the mechanic of the game is. With the Atlanteans, their tiles sink at the end of the game, so there's no they're not worth victory points. There's no, you have to get victory points during the game for them because they actually the tiles actually go away, which is kind of cool. That is cool. But now I can give a little background story. So when we did the episode with Ignacy, uh, during the episode, I had to, to edit in and say we had to remove the part where we talked about the races because Ignacy was not ready to tell us. And during that segment, he didn't tell us who it was, but we were having fun with Ignacy where we like started guessing. And <laughs> yes, I actually did. said Atlanteans. As I was throwing out some things, I said Atlanteans. And he just had this weird grin on his face. And I was like, I didn't really think anything until later on he came back and said, yeah, can you edit this out? Because, by the way, it's Atlantean. So, anyway, yes, I won the bet. I very much enjoyed my chicken today, so thank you very much. So, I finally got to play a game that I've always wanted to play. And it's been out for a very long long time. And everybody's always uh, talking about playing it and enjoying it and have complete sets of this. I'm talking about Memoir 44 from Days of Wonder. Now, Tony, you actually picked this up for me. Yes, uh, I did. At, at the Barnes & Noble uh, 50% off sale where I got it for 30 bucks, which is a great deal for this. And granted, this is a, like a light strategy game that mimics the uh, World War II theme. I, the reason why I got it is because I thought it might be interesting f- to go play with my dad. My dad doesn't do a lot of gaming. And I think part of the reason why is somebody might not get into it is because the theme just doesn't really, they don't understand the theme. I mean, imagine, let's say, if we talk about Imperial Settlers. If I was to throw that in front of my dad, it's like, I, what's going on with these 
four different factions, whatever. He can understand Germans versus the Allies with tanks and soldiers shooting each other, right? So right. it's a little bit easier thing to grasp. So I have been playing that a lot. I've played it with uh, him. I've played it with my sons a lot. I love all the scenarios that they have in it. It's pretty straightforward. You put a card down. It tells you what section of the board you're fighting in. You move a unit. You roll some dice. You fire. You try to kill off the other units. Very straightforward. It's a very tactical game. Uh, not a lot of strategy because a lot of stuff's based on the cards that you draw. So there's a little bit of luck in the draw of the cards and some of the dice rolls. But it's still, what's so cool about it is very historical. So all the campaigns or the scenarios inside the book are based on actual battles that took place uh, during D-Day. And so you get, you're playing a little bit of history. The map is set up the way it was um, during that battle. So I really like it. It's one of those things I probably may go out and buy an expansion or two. But if you haven't played Memoir 44, I, you know, again, it's it's light, but it's a lot of fun. And it's one of those classics I think everybody needs to try out at least once or twice. Yeah, but from uh, when I think of it, you and I have never really gotten into a war game. I've got a war game upstairs, Battle of Gettysburg, that I've always wanted to get out. This sounds a little bit more up our speed, the quickness of it. Yes. It, yeah, it plays very fast. Uh, it may be 30 minutes. It takes more time to set it up than maybe it does to play because it takes a lot of time to get the tile set up. Well, it's, I'm glad you were able to get it. And I, I sat there. I had two copies in my hand going back and forth. But then I said, why should I buy it? He's buying it. I can always borrow his. But there's one thing that I have to be careful with when I do borrow your games, Marty. You know what that is? What's that? Getting them wet. And <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean when you borrow my games, you have to worry about them getting wet? What do you do with my games when you borrow them? Well, it's okay. So this is very important. We were at the game uh, club the other night and we had it at the table and we were playing this game called Antidote. And every minute we were sitting there wiping up the sweat from the glasses. So guys, you, you got to bring your own tumbler glass sets. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason for you not to sit there and unless you got some special table with special holders, go out and get yourself a set of tumblers that do not sweat. Cause that was so irritating all night, Marty. You know, they have coasters too, that you can put these things on that help soak up the sweat from drinks. Yeah, but it's still there's wetness on the coasters. So even if you slightly touch it, so if I borrow one of your games, i got to make sure that I protect it, and it's one of those things. And, and I know it's not like your sippy cups to keep from spilling drinks on the games, but still, I mean, tumblers are such a great invention for us to be able to do that. And I bet you if I go out to Michael's or Hobby Lobby, I bet you can buy a make-your-own-tumbler set. I bet you should see that's what you, instead of gotten that game for Vanessa for Mother's Day, you could have gotten her a set of uh, make-it-yourself tumblers, and she could have filled them with dice. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that's exactly what she would have wanted. Yeah, here, honey, why don't you go make some homemade tumblers so that our that our drinks don't sweat while we're playing? We got coasters. Uh, but that's beside the point. Oh, you're just not seeing it. You got to see the big picture here. So anyway, tumblers with the don't sweat are a must for any gamer. Okay, so I mentioned Memoir 44 as a classic game I have never played until recently. Well, how about another one that I've been playing on the iOS? So... Tony, everybody's been talking about Nurishimo Hex. Nurishimo. How about Nurishima Hex? Yeah, either one. That's good enough. So I know Portal Games has it and is releasing uh, version 3.0. And it's over here in the U.S. and releasing English versions of all the units and everything. So I decided to go out and spend five bucks and download the app for the iPad. Oh, my gosh. I've been having so much fun with that game. Are you having fun because of who you're playing against? Or is it just the game is that good? No, I think the game is that good. I'll just play solo. Um, I've been playing with some other people. I've been playing these four-player games. Um, I've been playing with Matt Evans, uh, Rodney Smith, Joel Eddy, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel from Drive Through Review, Rodney from Watch It Played, and Matt Evans from Board Game Replay. We've been playing these massive four-player games, which have been a lot of fun. Um, I've done some some two-player games, but it's just a great little tactical game. And, and in fact, uh, my sons have really gotten into it. So we pick up the iPad and we'll do just two pass and play because the game plays so fast. It's, you know, it's, it's a basic hex board, and you draw three hex tiles that have units or actions on them. You put them on the board, and whenever you co- draw an action tile and play it, you actually just fight against each other it's it's really straightforward the factions are very different i'm probably going to pick up the actual physical version of this game but my, my biggest question is do you have the ability to um, buy the um, expansion yes they're coming out so so he's uh, uh ignacy said he's just going to release them over time like one of the ones that just came out is the mississippians which you know vanessa was like "Ooh, i want to do that until i told her it was like uh, the sewage people so <laughs> she was, was thrilled with that. But yeah, it's like a Mad Max type theme. Mm-hmm. Great game. Love it. It's one of those things I wish I had been playing. It's been out since 2006, but I'm glad I'm into it now and really having a good time. There's our first segment of Flying Squirrels. You kind of see how this is going to go. This topics could be on anything. This is kind of a way just to kind of get in there. And, and Tony and I, you you know, we're, we're getting older and our minds are all over the place. And this is just the way we can just spew out things left and right. Yeah. And it keeps us, it keeps us on track. It keeps us uh, focused on things. And, you know, and Marty knows I love an agenda. <laughs> he does. Every time we go out to uh, lunch and have our little lunch meetings, I got air quotes, lunch meetings, Tony pulls out. Today he had two copies of the agenda. He had one for me, one for himself. And he's got everything laid out down to from 1130 to 1135. We're getting our food. Uh, we, we've got the attendees there. I'm surprised you didn't do a roll call. Uh, well, you know, uh, I will break out my old Roberts rules of order and, and get us um, the correct way and bring you a tent next time. So you can raise your tent when you have a comment to make. So, But guys, tell us what you think of the flying squirrels. We, we think they'll work out really well and it will keep us seriously. It'll, it'll get some real faults out there and we won't be belaboring points, Kickstarters, and then who knows where this will go. But, 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 but this doesn't mean we won't have any more squirrel moments. Oh, there will always be squirrels. It just means these are a little bit more planned. Yes, there are squirrels in the attics here, people. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Tony, in your little rant earlier, you'd, we'd mentioned about the fact about I had gotten Xenoshift recently and I had a problem with the, the shipping and everything. But yes, I finally got it. This was a game from Cool Mini or Not that I got to see at the Simon uh, Expo last year that came out on Kickstarter and I had to back it. It is a, a fun little deck building game with a sci-fi theme. And the thing that kind of drew me into it was the fact that it was supposed to be like a tower defense game. The idea is that uh, you are building up your units to go and fight uh, against these aliens that are trying to come into your base. And each of you is responsible for a certain section of the base as the aliens come in and you try to kill them off before they end up destroying the base. I thought that theme sounds really cool. So I picked it up. It's a game that uh, is for one to four players. So there is a solo mechanic and it says it plays 60 minutes. That is so far not been the case for us, but that's what it says on the box. And uh, Tony, you came over here. You you got to try it out. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward deck building game, right? Oh yeah. It's a very straightforward on the deck building side of the house. I mean, Hey, look, there's a market. Go out and buy stuff in the market. Do you have enough uh, credits in your hand or whatever term you want to use for money? It's money. So, you know, go out. Xenocythum. Sure. Whatever. Credits. Money. It doesn't matter. Um, You can call it whatever you want. Well, that's what they call it. Fine. 
They can call it that. I'll give them that. <laughs> okay. So, so we won't refer to it by its real name. We'll just say resources of money. Or Okay. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Uh, because later you're going to get me on it and say, well, dude, and I'm going to say, I got no clue on that. I'm going to replace it anyway with things that clink. But I know that wouldn't be, I'd break the mechanic of the game of the cards. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a market. You go out and buy stuff. Now, one of the neatest thing I think about this game, Marty, that I really, uh, for me, I, I like the fact was that at the end of each round, you got money right then, right? At the beginning, beginning. of each I mean, round. I mean, yeah, at the beginning. beginning. Yeah, at the beginning of each round. Yeah, so uh, it, like most deck building games, everybody starts out uh, with the same cards. You got like basic units and money. And then uh, you, you play your money to buy cards. And at the beginning of each round, you automatically get some money. The game is broken up into nine rounds. And um, every three rounds, you get a certain denomination of money. Uh, the first three rounds, you at the beginning of each uh, round, you get one. Second uh, three rounds, you'll get, I believe it's three, and the last one's uh, six. So, yeah, that's really cool. So if you didn't get lucky and draw any money into your hand, you're guaranteed at least to get some at the uh, beginning of the round. And the market's kind of neat, too, Tony, in the fact that it, you can't buy anything that you want any time. Right. Some units and stuff don't come into play until you get to a certain round number. So for the first three rounds, there's a line of units you can get. The second three rounds, there's an, another line of units. So you now have two lines to choose from. And then you have another line of units when you get to rounds seven through nine. So I like that mechanic. It's like you just can't get anything you want. you got to kind of start with your basic units and kind of go from there. Yeah, and and also in the marketplace, certain of certain items are instances and or their technologies, and you have to keep all that in mind. So yeah, I, I like that too. I, I like that ability. And the other thing I really like about it as you move through those various rounds or phases of the game um, is the how that you can call your deck. You know, turn these n- numbers of Xenos, uh, whatever they... Xenosathem. Yeah, Xenosathem. See, I can't say it. I do better luck pronouncing Sheveshek than I do that one. <laughs> so anyway, from, from that standpoint, you know, if you have two of those, then you can get... It's of equal value. It's not like you're getting more by turning those cards in. It's the same value, but you've gone from two cards to one card, so you can recycle your deck. The same thing with the military guys, the the troops. You know, you turn in this number, and that reduces the cost of buying your next one. I really like that mechanism in that game. You didn't have to worry about calling the deck. Let me see if I can say that in fewer words for people who are saying, What? So each of the uh, currencies, the Xenosathem cards at the bottom say after a certain round from your discard pile, you can turn in an X amount to get one of something. So, for example, when you get to round uh, uh, four, you can turn in three single digit single Xenosathem or uh, I'll just say resource cards, three resource cards and get one three. Turn in three cards and get a one three value. So like you're saying is there's less cards in your deck, which is a great way to call the deck. And then also you said your basic units that you start out with, uh, you can discard those out of play in order to reduce the cost of units. Okay. And I'll say it even easier. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a great mechanic for calling your deck. All right. (laughs) Top that one, big boy. (laughs) One thing I really like too is uh, when you buy uh, a card, it doesn't go in your discard pile. It goes into your hand so you can use it immediately. 
that is that's something that we liked with Shadowrun Crossfire. So this has the same sort of mechanics. So when you buy that uh, piece of equipment that you want to attach to your unit, you can attach shields to your units or better weapons. You can get it and 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 do it immediately. So we've talked about the market. Let's see, you know, what do you do with those cards once you got them in your hand? So every player in front of them has this little tableau, and there on there there's a section for four alien cards and four unit cards. So uh, there, there's four unit card uh, alien cards on the left side by side and four on the right and after you put them down uh, they're right beside each other so you got the rightmost alien card side by side with the leftmost uh, unit card those two guys fight each other and the idea is when one of them is destroyed the rest of the units and behind them fall you know slide down the units will slide down to the left the aliens will slide to the right and then the next two guys combat your whole goal every round is to wipe out all the aliens that have come in into that lane, and if you don't, any any aliens that are left over do direct damage to your base. If the base gets down to zero health, the game's over. Did you mention how you win? You win after getting through nine rounds with still having some of your base health left. We we won that game. It was pretty good. Uh, I mean, we got down to one. It was pretty nail biting on the last round, but we won it, and you walked away with a satisfied customer here of you a victory we won a let's say a battle for mankind there sorry about that on the stuttering of words but so what i really thought marty when we were playing this game was well what i enjoyed was the co-op hey i can throw a grenade where your guys are i can help you you know so or i can send one of my troops over to your um area of combat to help you out because your draw wasn't as good as mine was, or I'm stacked full of guys over here. That was a really neat mechanic. I enjoyed that in the game. And what you're referring to is the fact that if I have a unit in my hand, instead of playing it to my lane in front of me, I can play it to yours. And the, but the thing is though, it now becomes that person's unit. It doesn't come back to you. It's now them, then they, they control it. And like you said, one thing that would kind of threw us off is thematically we were thinking all of us were in separate parts of the base so like our first game after we were going through the rules, we didn't realize that I could take a grenade card from my hand and chunk it all the way over to another part of the base for you to use, but you can. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even your units, like you have medics and stuff that can that can soak up some damage for you, uh, you might could uh, do it and help somebody else on the on the other side of the table. So it's very co-op-y in that aspect of it, the fact that your units and your stuff in your hand can help other people as they're playing, uh, which which I really like. So you really have to, during the market phase when you're buying stuff, try to coordinate. Make sure that uh, you know you want everybody to have every unit you have to be have, have an upgrade for a weapon, which does more damage, and shields, which gives you more health. Basically, the combat this on this is really simple. You compare your strength of your attack against the uh, uh, alien's uh, health and vice versa. And if it exceeds it, they're gone. So the combat's very simple. It's just the interplay of the cards that you can do as you're going along to try to, to, to put the combat into your favor. When you say thematic, you know, it's like, huh, how can you do that? Well, think about it. You're redeploying your troops. You're helping one another. You're on the walkie-talkie. You know, say, do your fire over here. Throw the mortar this way. So to me, it really didn't bother me from, you know, some people may say, hey, the, that theme just doesn't work with me. Hey, you're bat- you're in a base battling monsters. You're going after. What's the movie, Marty, that this reminds me of? You know the one I'm talking about with the bugs. Oh, um, um. Exactly. Um, 
Oh, oh, dude. Oh, uh, uh, the cheesy one. Um, yes, that one. Spe- uh, uh, oh, man, P. Wasn't nah. it Neil Patrick Harris in this? And um, the, I, hey, um, the Overlord. Denise me. Richards was in it. Yeah, um, that one exactly. Star no, no. Star Lord. So Star- anyway. <laughs> Yes, you're welcome. So um, he's looking it up right now. But to me, for the, you know, I love my co-ops, guys. I love my deck builders. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. That's it. That's the oh one. Oh, my gosh. We are so old. Yes, yeah, Starship Troopers. Yes. That's what it reminded me of. You know, it was kind of neat. And and one thing, uh, you know, from the, the villains that are coming in here, one of the, as the waves get different, you know, you're thinking when Marty says you battle the first one on the left. So, you know, oh, I'll just put my heaviest infantry up front so he can just wipe through all of them. Later rounds, suddenly they get tricky and those monsters will start attacking your flank. So yes. it's not, it's not just like putting your best front forward right there. You can't, your best face forward. Your best you front forward. Go with it. You can't. I'm counting on you for coming up with movie titles and you've almost messed me up there. So, but so now you've got to put your guys, not only in the front, you got to get some good guys in the back in the later rounds. And when we were playing, I I figured that out. And sure enough on my, on my round, I had a good guy in the back. I didn't face any of those monsters that came in and attacked your rear, you know? Mm. And, and that and sounds painful. It, it was. It was awful, but we survived. And the, speaking of the aliens, so there are three piles of aliens, and there's a certain stack of aliens that will attack you in, in the uh, rounds one through three. A little bit harder group of aliens attack in four through six, and then even harder seven through nine. But each one of those has one or two boss cards in it, which are really tough to fight. So as you get better units, as you go up through the rounds and you get better units, well, then you're also fighting tougher aliens too as the as the battle rages on and they do get sort of tricky in what they do they can jump around like you said and and they'll attack the back instead of the front and and or either they'll jump to the end of their line and give everybody plus one health or plus one attack and you got to fight all the way through to the end in order to fight that last alien but i also note that in this game the action sequence not the action the um, timing of things you know how some games will Oh, you got to be right at this window or right at that window. There weren't that many windows. It's when a car is revealed, that's when you got to do something or this is an instance and an instance is at this time. I mean, it was very simple mechanics. So guys, I know, you know, if you really want to see how it's played, Rodney Smith over at Watch It Play, you got 22 minutes to give up. He does a great job explaining it. But, you know, if you enjoy deck builders and co-ops, you may want to consider this game. I mean, Marty, uh, what do you think? I mean, are there what are, are there any cons? Yeah, well, so let me just go over uh, a couple of the pros and cons. I think we've already said some of them. Um, the game is easy to learn. You talked about the culling mechanics. I love that. I I detest games when it's very hard to cull your cards. Um, there are deck builder games, and all deck builders are this way. It, eventually, those starter cards that you have, you want to get rid of them. And sometimes there are some games that just don't have a very good mechanic for getting rid of them. This is a very easy way to get rid of them. Love that. Uh, The cards you buy go straight to your hand. It's not a very brutal co-op game. Tony, when you and I played, yes, it was very intense as we had one life left on the base before we won. I've played another game with my family. We only had four. But I feel going into it, I have a better chance of winning than say, oh, mm, XCOM. I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you love that game, don't you? 
it, it seems to be less luck based. There's no dice rolls or anything. The, the only luck is maybe with the aliens you'll pull out of the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can work through your own deck pretty quickly and build up some decent units. And if a unit survives the fight, they actually stay in the lane to fight again the next turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't go away. So that, I, I kind of like that mechanic. But I do have some cons. Now, first off, I said that it took 60 minutes to play. I have never played this game, playing a full game and getting all the way to the eighth or ninth round in less than one and a half, two hours. And we were our our games now go by pretty quick because we know what we're doing. But you spend a lot of time talking and strategizing. Hey, you need to buy this. Let me buy this and whatnot. And then when you actually go to the fighting phase, it, there's a little bit of downtime as you go around the table and everybody resolves their fights. True, you can help them out possibly from your hand, but more times than not, you're just going to be waiting for them to finish their turn. So saying that. I think the perfect number for this game, it plays one to four. I think the perfect number is three. I think three gives you a good chance of winning. I don't like playing with four. To me, it just takes too long for everybody to go through their attack phase and just drags it on when I just don't think it needs to go on any longer. I cannot imagine that game with four people. I think that would be... Yeah, so when you and I, we played with three, right? And it took two hours, right? Yeah. And we were moving at a pretty good clip. Oh yeah, the the attack phase was over. Even there wasn't when you say downtime because you were familiar with it and we're familiar with this type of game. I mean, we we're going. Well, I'm going to do this, this, this. Does anybody have a grenade? Yes, I do. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and do that? Da, 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 boom, 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 boom. We were done, and it was still two hours. Now I'll admit it was learning what the cards did. You know, slowed us down. You know, reading but the cards. Yeah, it didn't feel like two hours. No. It, it, after we finished it, I didn't feel like I'd played two hours. So it's, that's not a bad thing. I just don't want people to read the box and go, oh, great, 60-minute game I'm going to play. Eh, may not be 60 minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. So um, for me, the pros on this game were co-op, like I've already said, deck building, loved it. For me, I think the cons, the, the artwork just, it didn't, it didn't grab me. Really? Because no. I think the artwork is really good. I, I'm, it's really, I mean, it's, of course it's great artwork. I mean, my gosh, it's a board game. It's going to Well, be, I'm confused. You it didn't grab it me. Did. It, it did not grab me. I'm not saying it's not good or anything. The artwork did not grab me. That's different. You walk in and you look at a Picasso. Did that grab you? Most of the time when I look at a Picasso, I don't know what I'm looking at. So. Exactly. So I'm like, may, I felt like the alien cards were too dark. I couldn't really distinguish the two, um, like the, 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 the slug versus the swarm or whatever they were called. You know, they, they, were, they were too similar to me. Maybe if I see them a lot more than um, that, you, if you keep playing and playing, that you'll, you'll immediately pick it out. But mm-hmm. the same ones kept repeating. So it wasn't like I only saw it one time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But I mean, yeah, it was very good artwork, but it didn't grab me. I do have one more con though. So I did Mm -hmm. say that one thing, one reason I bought this game uh, was because I wanted the tower defense mechanism. It didn't really give me that tower defense gameplay that I was expecting. And, you know, I love tower defense video games and I was kind of wanting that. And it kind of had that feel, but I was wanting something a little bit more and and then i started thinking about it and then tony i was talking about you this day at lunch mm-hmm. i would love to see a board game a regular board game where you have like aliens walk in one side of the board and they just keep going in a straight line till they get off the other end 
And if so many uh, aliens walk off the board, the game is over. But like in a real video game, mm-hmm. you deploy units and stuff to fight against the aliens and you can actually alter their path. So they take a longer path to have to get off the end. But along the way, you still got to keep dinging them and they're shooting you back and stuff. I was kind of picturing that in my mind. And now that I said it, I wish somebody would design that game because I think that'd be kind of cool. Right. So it kind of it kind of let me down when I was really wanting this tower defense style game. And it really... It's kind of tower defensey, but not what I was thinking. So on the RO scale, talk to me. For the RO scale, I'm going to have to give it. It's a, it's a good game. Wow. Yeah, that's slow. Why? What's the, what's the big thing that what knocked it off of a great game? <sighs> you know what? Here's another thing. To me, I felt there was more peril in losing that game at the beginning of the game than the end of the game. To be honest with you, by the time I got to phases seven, eight, and nine, I had built a pretty strong deck. And those units that come out in the last three rounds are super powerful. And I felt like that my units became more powerful than what the aliens were that came out in the third round. But when I have really, really weak units at the beginning of the game, they were just getting slaughtered by the aliens that we were seeing at first. So for me, I felt if I could survive the first few rounds... By the end, I was probably going to be okay. And even in our game, when do we take most of the damage in the first half of the game? Right, yeah. You remember, we, we spent the last three or four rounds with less than 10 hit points on the base left, and we still won. For for me, I think it's a, even aside from my stupid nit about the art, I think it's a great game. I think it will be to a even a one that you, if you like deck builders and co-ops, one that you buy if they release some expansions, some some more powerful bosses, maybe tweak a little bit with the weapons, just like every deck building game. You got to have that. And I think it will keep adding, you know, Marvel legendary. Everybody talks about how it was a good game, but it didn't really come into its own until the expansions came out. So I think that's what you got to look forward here. It's a, to me, if you put it on the table, I'm going to play it. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, you're right. It did not take us. It felt like, uh, yeah, it, it was two hours, but it didn't feel like two hours. I was very surprised by the time. I enjoyed the theme. I could get into the theme. So for me, it's a great game from that perspective. But you know what? If this sounds like a game that you might be interested in, guess what? You might be able to win a copy because Cool Mini or not was kind enough to provide us a copy to give away. So what we're going to do is we're going to be giving away a copy of this game. And Tony and his infinite blog writing skills and survey creating skills is going to go out and create a contest. And there's going to be a link on our website. And also we'll put one in our BGG Guild where you can go out there and answer this simple question. What is your favorite deck builder? Just a simple question. Curious what people like. And by doing that and giving us your email address, which we will not share with anybody, we'll put you into a drawing and you will be able to win a copy of Xenoshift. But Tony, unfortunately, because of shipping cost, we're going to have to limit it to the U.S., aren't we? Yes. Unfortunately, we always got to limit it to the continental United States. And for that game, it's a pretty stout game. So it's pretty heavy. It's a pretty big box. It's one of those things that if you have interest in it, definitely go out and try it. You may like it. And again, we have the contest going. This contest will end on Tuesday, June 2nd. And after that, we will uh, pull one and, and pick a winner. And again, it's for U.S. only. Guys, outside the U.S., I promise you in the future, Tony and I are working on something where when we do contests, we can include anybody across the world to be able to potentially win. So, Xeno Shift, 
I give it a good game. Tony gives it a great game. If you ever get to play it, come out to the guild and let us know what you think. Break out your TI-30 calculators because it's time to get Statistically Speaking. We've got another Statistically Speaking segment coming up here shortly. And I just want to remind you that the last time Taylor was on, he was talking about dice. So I want to put it in context. We're going to continue our discussion about dice and what we mean by expectations. Now pay attention because you might learn something in here and heaven forbid you learn something from our podcast. Taylor has come back on the show. He didn't get enough the first time. And so it's time again for another segment of Statistically Speaking. Taylor, how you been doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me back. Well, like I told you before, this is a commitment and you're stuck now because we're going to really go into it this time. Because on the last segment, we when we ended it, we ended on something you were telling me about called expectations. Do you remember that? I do. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, it very well could have in the magic of podcasting. It may have been, but we won't let anybody know that. So expectations. Could you remind our audience what you were talking about when it comes to expectations, especially as they relate to a dice roll? Yeah, so expectation is just the the average result you think you're going to encounter. So if you roll the die, you expect to get a 3.5 on average. Now, that's a little confusing because there isn't a 3.5 on any die that I've ever seen. All right. So, but you're talking about one die. So you roll one die. You ex, your expectation is a 3.5 or the was it the mean or the average? Which was it? It was. You defined this last it time. It was the mean. Yes. Okay. The mean. All right. So 3.5 on the die. So if, as I'm rolling a die, I can expect that every time I roll the die, I'm going should get close to a three. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that if over a long period of time, if you take and record every single die roll that you ever rolled and you add them all up and take the grand average, it will be basically at 3.5. Well, what's a long period of time, Taylor? One hour in a game? Two hours in a game? How long's long? So it depends. So if you roll it for maybe three or four times, you're not going to be anywhere close to 3.5. So in a small sample, we're going to have a lot of variability. So it's going to be, you know, maybe four in one uh, roll of four dice, and maybe it'll be ten in another. But as you get to maybe a couple dozen to maybe a hundred to a thousand or even beyond, then it starts to become more well-behaved in the statistical manner. So it becomes to even out at the expectation. So what you're telling me is people, when when they're playing the dice games, they can't, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, they can't expect to get a 3.5 or around a 3 when they're rolling, when they need a 3 or greater when they're playing. Over time, they can get that. So over a period of time of playing a certain board game that's rolling one die, they, they if they were to track it, they would get that 3.5. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that holds for everything that we talk about probability. So... If we say something has a 20% chance of happening, it doesn't mean that within your game it's going to happen 20% of the time. We mean over a lifetime of games, it'll happen 20% of the time. So people can't really say that, hey, I'm being treated unfairly here because they, they don't their sample size is not big enough. Exactly. All right. So, hmm. So how can you use that, these expectations, when you're playing a game? So... I like to think about it as a long-term rate. So it's it's the if I'm going to do a certain action, 
over a long period of time, the expectation is going to be my rate. So let's take a game like Settlers of Catan. All right. Okay, or Catan now. We got come on, join us in 2015 now, Taylor, because you know they're re rebranding this thing like they. Need I have it to. the traditional game, and I will stay loyal to it. Yes. So yes, we're talking about how your expectation is like a long term rate. We know Catan. We you roll the die, and based upon what shows up, we're going to get various resources, right? Right. Well, we hope to if we're if our house is in the right area. So, but we need these resources in certain proportions. So we always know that we need to have the same amount of wood as we do brick because they're always used together to build something. Oh, oh, now you're hurting my head, but keep going. So we want to, in the long run, we want to have the same number of brick as we do as we do wood because if we have too many of right. one of them, it's just going to have extra cards in our hands and make us more prone to lose our cards to the robber. We want to look and we want to even out the expectations of how many brick and wood we're going to get in a in a game. So you know those dots on the uh, on the Catan board? Yeah, I know exactly. The ones on the bottom that tell you how much it's going to roll. That's how I equate. If there's more dots, then I'm going to get that number more. But basic stats taught me that. What is yeah, that so all so those about? are the relative frequencies. So if it has two dots, okay. it's twice as likely to happen as the uh, numbers with one dot. And it's half as likely to happen as the ones with four dots. Wait, wait, wait. So, the, so what you're telling me is the dots mean more that's two times versus like the one that's got four times. It's going to happen four times as much? Indeed. Oh, okay. See, I just thought, see, I just equated it to that number of dots is, is awesome that, hey, I, that one's going to come up more. I didn't realize there was actually something relative about it. Yes, yes. And it's actually exact. So those are the exact relative frequencies. So we can use that. So the expectation is just your probability or your frequency of happening times the value that you obtain. So if we know the relative frequencies, we know that, you know, we're going to roll a three two times as opposed to a six, which we're going to roll five times, then we can use that to figure out what our expected number of, of a resource are. So say I have a wood on a three tile and I have a brick on a nine tile. Mm-hmm. So the three I'm listening. has a relative frequency of two. Right? It has two dots on it. And a nine tile, i got to do the math real quick. It, it has four on it, so it has a relative frequency of four. Now we want to even these things out. So we know that the expected value... Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down there, Professor. Yeah. Hold on now. So we got three has two, all right, and then nine has wood has has a nine on it, and it's got a four, yes. right? Everybody, everybody, get out your paper at home, okay? And the three has brick on it, okay? So w- w- what are you doing with those numbers, Taylor? So I'm saying I'm going to have a lot more wood than I have brick. Yeah, well, it's obvious there's four dots on that one versus the two dots. So that's going to inform me about maybe a city building strategy. When I build a city, I can take two resources from the same from the same tile, right? So now that doesn't increase the frequency at which I'm going to get resources from that tile, but it is going to double the value of what I'm getting from that tile. There, there's a pause on my end, guys. I'm sitting here thinking through this. I understand what you're saying, but I can exp- I'm going to expect to get more wood, right? Yes. 
And because I'm going to get more wood, I mean, cities is stone and wheat, if I'm not mistaken, yes. right? So why did you say I need to go to the city strategy? Well, if you, if you, for some other reason, you've gotten the right resources and you're going to place the city now, uh-huh. where, where should I, should I place it on the wood or should I place it on the brick? Well, it's the wood, obviously, because there's four dots there on the nine. See, I would argue if you're thinking statistically, you're going to go for the brick. So you can increase your brick production. To equalize it. So that you have the same amount of brick as you do wood. And But that only gives me longest road. But without wood well sorry, without brick, the wood is useless. Oh. So you're telling our listeners out there that they need to equalize because both resources are that valuable. Uh statistically statistically speaking, they should go towards the brick to help them in the game. Yes. Okay, because if they put it on wood, they're going to get more wood, which puts them... Will do nothing for them. And also, if you're putting your, your resources on high-frequency high, high frequency tiles, they're more likely to be attacked by the robber. So while it may happen that you're going to roll that nine a lot more often, if you've got the robber on it, it does you no good. Okay, guys, this is earth-shattering. I don't know if you've thought of this. I want you guys to think about this. I know most of you probably said, I'm not ever going to play Catan to try to play this, to try this out. But you should. Give this a try about expectations relative frequencies when it comes to this game and see what you think. So Taylor's advice to you, and by all means, go to the BGG forum and tell me he's full of crap. Um, say, you know, this didn't work or it did work or see how it goes. But I, I, I can see how this would work out, Taylor. Yeah. All right. Well, very interesting. So... All right. Well, we've come to another end of statistically speaking. So wrap this up, Professor. Tell me. Okay, you're not a professor yet, but you know what I mean. So wrap this up for me. Summarize it up for our um, students here. Excellent. So we have expectations, which is just the average result that you expect to happen. And we can interpret this as a kind of long-run frequency. So if I do things over a long period of time, not over maybe a couple games, but over maybe a lifetime of games, it's how I expect things to happen. And you can make decisions based upon that. So you can equalize probabilities and risks. Or in, uh, we were talking about Catan. And you can use it in other games, but we haven't talked about that yet. Okay, but we're going to get there. So come back for another segment of Statistically Speaking, and Taylor will enlighten us on other games that tie into expectancies and independence of dice. Well, we did it. We got a whole episode, just you and I by ourselves, no guests except for your pre-recorded segment. But other than that, we did it. So in the next episode, though, Marty, we got something special planned. Yeah, we do. So you and I both picked up copies of Roll for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And we have our wives have been playing that. And they are going to come on and give their own reviews. And we'll see what their review, how their review compares to ours. Hell has frozen over. Don is coming back on the podcast. <laughs> that's right her and Vanessa are going to be giving their thoughts on Roll for the Galaxy and I've been playing that game a lot so I will be ready to talk all about it and you may be surprised at what I think about the game let's just say you can't miss it because it's, it's going to be a good one especially when you get to hear from the ladies on this because it, it wasn't it was episode 10 the last time Donna appeared on the show so it's been a while a little bit um, what Marty uh 57-some shows later, she comes back. Amazing. Amazing. 
Um, anything else coming up really big here? I can't think of anything. Oh, yeah, except for the fact that I'm going to Origins in a couple weeks. Oh, that's right. You are going to Origins, and I'm going to Alaska. You have fun with that. I'm going to have a blast, and I know you will be having a blast at Origins. So if y'all see Marty there, be sure to mug him for a moon pie. Yes, I'll have some with me. So another thing we had uh, in the past, we had asked people to come out and give us some reviews on iTunes. Sometimes that is that is good if you uh, leave us a, a good review because it just might get some more ears to the show. And I said, if you did that, I would give you a little shout out. And I like to do that. Since the last time I've given a shout out, I'd like to give a shout out to those who have given us some great comments like Nate Bivens, Bam737, Berkey77, and Mike and Madison. Now, Tony, all these were really great, but the last sentence of Mike and Madison's comment or the uh, uh, review was possibly a little over obsessed with moon pies, but no one is perfect. Mike and Madison, have you ever had a moon pie? And if you haven't, then you don't know why you would be, it wouldn't be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's just some good eating right there. And a big shout out to everybody over at the BGG Guild for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We have got some incredible threads going on over there right now. Um, Dan Patrice from the Geek All-Stars is coming in and irritating us. So that's only he can do. Everybody's starting all these great threads. And like one was starting today, what is your top five movies of all time? And I haven't answered yet because I can't narrow it down to five. Oh, that's that was such an easy question for me. you know. But I mean, there's, there's other good ones. I mean, one was, uh, what's your favorite game to play with when eating a moon? pie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. taking into consideration you know how messy a moon pie can be there's just a lot of good good topics over there just f- a fun topic so if you're not a member of the guild over at bgg come on by and uh and, and join up and tony and i try to respond to every thread that uh, goes on in there because we just like to talk to people and and tony i must admit that some people over there actually give us some great ideas for segments that we have used in the past and we will probably use in the future yes I, we do appreciate that so well guys we don't want to keep dragging this on because if we do we're going to be really tripping over ourselves so do us a favor keep rolling dice and take a name Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. You know, Marty, with all the new intros and outros that you did for us, we could really improve this whole show if we just changed the ending. How's that? By putting it closer to the beginning. Ha 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 ha!